Hey everybody, welcome back to Disney Inside Out with your host, Ryan, that's me. Today we get to sit down with digital artist and creator of Cute, Jared Mariyama. If you love Disney, Star Wars, The Muppets, Target, I could go on, then you already love Jared. His work has been featured all over the Disney parks, most recently at the Festival of the Arts in Epcot at Walt Disney World. And depending on when you're listening to this, you may have been to the festival and met Jared. I was so excited to learn more about digital illustration, the process, and how Jared makes everything so darn cute. Please enjoy my talk with Jared Mariyama. Hi, Jared. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I appreciate, you, uh, appreciate the invitation. I, we're going to talk about all things digital illustration and your, your work that you've done, um, but I wanted to sort of call out how I sort of came across and thought I would have you on the show was you recently did this image of Mickey Mouse. I'm sure everyone's talked to you about this, uh, celebrating Disney 100, and Bob Iger replied to it, and he said he loved it. So has that did did you feel like a sort of like viral feed on your social media from that? <laughs> uh, definitely. I mean, nowadays I think it's um, it's these bursts of energies and it passes relatively quickly, uh, especially on Twitter. I think if you're if you don't if you're not there at the moment, it kind of rushes by pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, that was a, a surprise um, and very nice. Just the fact that he would yeah. one see it but take the time to to respond was. Uh, pretty special i thought it was very last minute that's what makes it even funnier is i thought oh i need to post something uh not because it coincided with the dates i don't know what i was thinking i just forgot that oh this is the day they're kicking off the the celebration um so yeah i just did a quick simple mickey to put it up there and uh yeah blown away by the response yeah and and the celebration we're referring to is the hundred years of Walt Disney right. Studios, which is happening now, so being celebrated everywhere, but especially in Disneyland. I feel like yes. there's yeah. a lot going on there. The other thing about you too is when I told people uh, I was going to have you on the show, your Disney baby books are very popular, and my <laughs> friends that have babies, including one of my former guests, uh, Risa Shu, she was like, "Oh my God, all my books are by." Jared like he drew all the pictures so uh how sort of the, the baby books was that is that sort of an ongoing project you're continuing to to make those as well it is it's gone on uh, much longer than I think any of us uh, thought would would be the case um yeah I started that in around 2015 I think is when we first started developing the style they were going through like an overhaul of there's always a version of disney baby out there but mm -hmm. they kind of refresh it every so many years so that uh you know new generations see it um for very young kids so i think um you know these aren't elaborate long books they tend to be yeah. counting books or words things like that so uh yes but it is something that's been ongoing and uh i i, I am scheduled throughout uh, this year for sure doing more books and things like that. So it's nice to hear when I hear the response like that from people. I, I kind yeah. of, since I don't have kids myself and I'm kind of older now, even my friends, their kids are all older. So we're not buying these things now. So it's always from other people that I hear this and, and it's great to hear. Speaking of, you know, doing the Disney baby books and it's, you are an illustrator, digital illustration. Can you tell us what what is digital illustration? What is a di digital illustrator? Mm -hmm. um, that's a good question. I think it's just anybody. Most 
I think most people at this point are, are digital illustrators. Uh, I think it's kind of flipped finally so that if you're working traditional or in traditional mediums and stuff like that, that's sort of a boutique industry now, you know, because it is so time consuming and expensive. And uh, I think most people, whether it's Procreate and the iPads or, or Photoshop or Illustrator, which is what I use, I think most of us, just for the sake of speed, quality of image for reproduction and stuff. Everyone's pretty much a digital artist at this point. So I do work exclusively in Adobe Illustrator. A little bit of Photoshop here and there, but mostly Adobe Illustrator. When you're going to create a digital illustration, Mm -hmm. does it obviously comes from the mind? Does it go to physical paper first and then come to, or is it all done uh, digitally through the, like the Adobe? I think, um, you know, everybody has different process for this. And I think because of the emergence of, of uh, iPads and Procreate, and these are very accessible tools before like Photoshop and Illustrator would be super expensive. And, you know, if you were a little kid, your parents most likely wouldn't be buying that for you. But these other ones that are app-based, it's so easy to get on and kids are starting to draw on that from the very beginning. Um, I'm not obviously that young. So I started, everything I started was traditional. Um, so every now I, I do, I'll doodle something on um, paper and pencil just to get an idea or to flesh it out or to think, or if I'm like not at my desk and I can draw somewhere else, whether that's on the plane or waiting for something, I like to kind of explore stuff that way. It's just, it's relaxing. It's kind of fun. But most of the time when we're working and there's not a lot of time, I go right to digital because it is faster and there's a, there's something innately charming about a sketch. I think everybody likes the way a sketch looks, uh, but to translate that from that to Illustrator is very difficult. So sometimes when you show a mm. client a sketch, they fall in love with the charm of that sort of motion and movement. And then it looks really cold once you get to something like Illustrator. So I like to go to Illustrator as soon as I possibly can. So they get a sense of here's what the final thing is going to look like. But I do use uh, some places still require me to do sketches first. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, it's a little bit of both, but mostly digital. Are there any challenges with just digital versus you know when we used to just draw paper Mm, that's a good question um i think uh if you if you are comfortable with drawing on procreate and with the stylus and things like that which i see most people are now especially the younger people so that's quick it's instant you don't have to scan it or transfer it you could just literally do it right there and send it off to a, a client or clean it up very easily and combine mm-hmm. things. So usually it's just speed that um, that you would use uh, that for. So when I work in Adobe Illustrator, Adobe Illustrator isn't great with the stylus. It's not um, it's not a gestural program. So it's it's very much constructing the thing. So it takes a lot of time. Um, so if you're trying to get a quick idea down, Adobe Illustrator is not great for that. It's gotten better. It's changed over the years. And if you're super comfortable with it, I think you can do it that way. And it depends on the image. But um, I think with Adobe Illustrator, for me, it's it's a time thing. It takes too long to create this image, even a rough image. Um, that's pretty much the only thing. So if I can, I'll, I'll sketch. And that's just a, really quickly, it's just so you don't have to spend too much time on something that you're not going to finish. How do you stay up to date with like the latest trends, mm. techniques? Uh, is it, I, I imagine it's a constantly growing you know, field as everything is now with technology and and everything we have, how do you sort of keep relevant and make sure you're sort of, you know, on top of the latest that's happening in digital? That's, I mean, it's 
I don't, which is <laughs> one, of, one of the things, but it is difficult. And I think, again, it depends very specifically on how you use the tool and what do you use it for. I think there are cases where you can't get left behind. Um, so say you're on staff somewhere with Disney or something like that, they're going to dictate very quickly what programs are used, how you use it. And it, again, it's usually mm. just speed. So you really don't have much of a choice if you're in a meeting and they say, hey, show us what you're thinking. You can't say, well, let me go get my clunky machine and, you know, drag things around. You have to be able to work on whatever you have in front of you. That's usually an iPad or something like that. So, um, but for me, uh, because what I do is so remote, like I'm working at home, I, I, the, the deadlines are sort of uh, spread out. It's not like I'm working directly with people. I usually have time where I come back and say, I'll show you some images. <clears throat> so... I'm working on Adobe Illustrator the way I have for years. I have not stopped to stay on top of it. The program itself hasn't changed dramatically. The, the, the reason for using something like Adobe Illustrator is because it produces a vector image and that works very well with uh, merchandise and if you have to resize and it kind of exists like a little prop. So that's why I use the thing. So um, it's kind of built into the process that it's going to take you a long time. So uh, usually people know when I say it's an illustrator, that's that it, there's going to be a bit of a time bump there. So I haven't had to go and like change how I work or find the new, the new tool or everything like that so far. I'm getting there. I'm getting to the point where I do have to sort of update how I do things, but it's, it's difficult to stop and learn something new. Uh, so it's always when you're kind of under the gun yeah. to do it, that you, that you usually do best because you, you're motivated to learn. Interesting. I never thought about uh, places like if you're working with Disney, if that they might dictate to you, like, we need you to do it, but we need you to use this tool mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. do it. And if you're not familiar, I suppose they would have asked you beforehand. But I yeah. have you have you ever run into a situation where someone's like, can you create this using this? And you're like, sure. And then you have to like <laughs> learn it. Uh, yes, I, I have. I mean, it's, it's mostly... Um... For me, it's mostly Procreate. I think Procreate is pretty much standard now, enough that you could use it as a sketch tool. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been one that I, I've been forced to practice on, uh, just usually because it is something like that, where you, you have to attend a meeting and they say, you know, either you're drawing over another drawing or you're um, trying to quickly show them your idea or sort of like a storyboard process. It's not really what I do. So don't have to do it often, but yes, I've had to do that where I thought, oh, I better brush up on this or look into this app or, you know, right. at least have the tool so I know what they're talking about when it comes up. But um, even at that, I, I'd still be considered very old. I still use a mouse, which I know young people are just like, can't comprehend. Right. But uh, yeah. What's a mouse? Exactly. <laughs> oh, my parents <laughs> use that. But yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so I'm still very old-fashioned when it when it comes to it, but it's weird because you still create the same basic file in the end. But if no one sees you, you know, it's when people watch you that they're like, "Oh, how are you doing that?" <laughs> right. It's yeah. private. It's a private yeah, process. exactly, exactly. Private process. I guess in the end, you just say yes and you figure it out later. That's what I, think, I do. I'm like, I think that's with everything you do, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. No. Just say yes and I'll Google it when I get home. Right. Right. Um, if we can talk about your style, um, you sort of the inventor of cute, your drawings or your illustrations, and you use a style 
Kauai. Can mm -hmm. you talk about what Kauai is, what it means, and sort of how you incorporate that into your work? So Kauai is just kind of a Japanese, a general Japanese term for cute. And, and like everything with the Japanese language, there's a lot of nuance to every little thing. So that can mean a number of things, depending on how you're using it and the way you say it, emphasis on the syllables. Um, but in general, it, you know, here in America, it's just this general sort of Japanese version of cute. So the the shorthand I always say is like Hello Kitty. I think Hello Kitty represents mm -hmm. very much the Japanese aesthetic of cute. Obviously, there's more to it, but that kind of has, for American audiences, that's a quick like reference point. Um, right. So basically, it's that. Um, it's kind of taking a lot of times existing characters or animals or something and sort of simplifying, sort of anthropomorphizing them into humans and things like that um, but it tends to have like a big head and a small body and uh, it's like a, a a very simple style it looks simple it's not easy to do but it, it has a mm -hmm. simple look to it and uh, that's kind of what I love to do and um, just sort of boiling down the character to its very basics and so it's still recognizable yeah. but uh, much cuter yeah yeah and it's definitely it's cute. It's funny. You know, you think of you, you I feel like we toss that word around so much, but yeah. when you look at your work and I'm like, it's really cute. Like <laughs> it's cute. Like there is no other word. It's yeah. cute. So like American cute, I think has a very different, you know, it's mm -hmm. like Pixar Disney with the big eyes and yes. baby head. And so, you know, that is cute. That's one form of cute, but definitely this Japanese version seems very distinct uh, than that. Though both are, you'd call both of them cute. Right. Do you think, is it fair? Because, I mean, I love learning about this, but I was thinking about turning red. Mm -hmm. Is Kuwai present in that or is that more of a, because I know turning red to me and I'm not well versed in anime and all that, but it gave me right. sort of a lot of that sort of anime feels. But when I was thinking about Kuwai, I was like, is Kuwai present in that or is it a little more, is it leaning more towards something else? I think it does lean a little bit more towards anime. and, and Okay. So in Japan, you could still call anime kawaii. It's not like that can't be kawaii. But right. um, I think it's more characteristic that we look at like Hello Kitty when we think mm -hmm. of cute. But uh, Turning Red sort of plays on all the... It has a very Pixar look, but then it plays on all the anime sort of um, stylistic expressions and things like that. So when they see something they love, you know, the eyes get bigger and glowy and reflective, very emotive and sort of dramatic. And um, So I think that leans a little bit uh, more towards that it tends to be with the kawaii stuff it looks like um, merchandise so if you look at okay. like some of her toys or things like that in there they look like what i do like kawaii so it goes to like a dot eye instead of a big right pupil eye or um it's like a stuffed animal or something like that might be treated that way but when it's more of a personality or, or you have to convey sort of a real person it gets harder with those dot eyes to be as expressive so usually it does feel more anime and like reflect with all the dots of light in the eyeballs and extreme expressions and stuff like that, which is really what I loved about Turning Red is they yeah. incorporated that so nicely into the it style. It was so fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. With Disney, do you remember the first project that you worked on? So let's see, that was a long time ago. The very first project I worked on with Disney was a disaster. Um, I, I had done some, you know, fan art stuff and posted it. And so I got a little attention from that. And uh, an art director from Disney reached out and said, um, you know, we like the style and sort of, it wasn't a specific assignment. He said, like, just do some things with the princesses and maybe these characters and just kind of play with it and give us 
give us something just to see like what we could do with the style. So a very open-ended thing, which is even harder, I think. And, it, you know, it's Disney calling. So I was terrified and excited <laughs> and like, uh, and I didn't do well. Like I kept giving them what I thought they would want instead of like trusting my own style. Um, and I think that's natural. I think most people would do that. So, you know, the art director was very nice and, uh, and it's like, I just wasn't ready yet, mm-hmm. but he was supportive and like said, Oh, this is great. And like, you know, gave me some advice and everything, but it didn't go anywhere. It just, just literally existed as samples. I did continue to work with that art director though. And, and I've been in touch actually with that art director ever since been very supportive you just don't know who you're going to meet in these situations. Exactly. But in that case, uh, that was probably my first project. It wasn't until Wonderground Gallery opened okay. in 2012 that I did something that really like made it to merchandise and the shelf. When you are working on something, let's say Disney comes with a project, how do you sort of approach it? Do they say, do they sort of give you like, Hey, we want you to design like a tea set Mm -hmm. and it's up to you to sort of, or like, what are the parameters that you're sort of given and how do you take it from this request idea into a sort of final product? So, you know, I think sometimes we all forget that Disney is this massive company. And so every, no matter who you're working with, it's like working with a smaller company within this larger company. So I certainly can't, speak about everybody. I think everybody has a very different experience Mm -hmm. when they work with Disney and that can vary wildly. Um, When I've done stuff for Disney, usually it's, they come with something in mind that they want from you. So they'll either show you something that you've done before and say, we want something like this, but we want it with whatever Peter Pan say. Mm -hmm. Um, So then usually it's, it's me just developing artwork or characters or they'll say like uh give us these five characters give us these five props um and just whatever uh like a a list of things that they want i am not always involved in the actual planning of the thing sometimes they will not know until they see my art say oh this would look good on a mug or this would look good on a t-shirt or something like that other times like you said if it's a tea set or something that sometimes they have very specific parameters Mm -hmm. where they're telling you look it has to fit within this space we need it to go horizontal so it can wrap around a cup. It just really depends specifically on what it is. And I've done it all where it's been both cases where it's been either wide open or very specific. And then it's a, a lot of notes because depending on what the property is or the character is, it can go through lots of rounds of you know, revisions and people. different people have to look at it for different reasons. So the process varies quite a bit. But most of the time as a contractor, I don't know what's going on. I'll do the art, yeah. send it off. And then I just get a bunch of notes back. So I don't know necessarily who's seen it. I will say uh, one of the funny projects I had when I was doing some Baymax illustrations when that movie came out is um, I got notes from John Lasseter. Uh, I'm like, I can't believe he's looking at this stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, it was amazing because it was just some random stuff that was going to be for stickers or something like that. They did end up using quite a bit of it. But yeah, I was surprised to see that it went that far up the chain before coming yeah. back and giving me notes on things. So, um, yeah, but the process changes with every project. Right. And do you find that sometimes you send it off and then the next time you see it is like on the shelf? Do you ever yeah. sort of get a... <laughs> that's that's usually, I would say that's probably 80% of the time, especially with Wonderground Gallery, is we do these things so early. Like the art has to be turned yeah. in so early. So if they do do merchandise or anything, it, it, it can get... You know, the process for making a product takes forever. It's about a year. So usually we're working well in advance. And then um, 
but yeah, they go off and do what they're going to do. And then sometimes I want to, especially if it's not going to be in California specifically, it can mm, pop up mm-hmm. in like um, the Asian parts or something like that. And I won't know until someone posts a picture and says, oh, look what I found. Is this your work? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, I did yeah. that a year ago. <laughs> exactly. When you're working on all these projects, sort of how do you, how do you, stay inspired how do you keep the creativity i imagine you probably work on multiple things at once at times that's a good question i think i mean even for you doing what you do even like with the podcast i think um you kind of start forgetting like this is a fun thing and it becomes work and a job and um you know you're so into it sometimes you don't even stop to think am i inspired um i think the the challenges that are sort of baked into the actual process are enough to keep you inspired usually um, because there are parameters because there are deadlines and things like that you really don't stop and think about that's what keeps you motivated especially when you're a contractor and these are mm. your paychecks um, yeah you need to keep that the project rolling in and then you sometimes don't get paid for a long time because these projects go on forever so you need to do like short-term projects so that cash is flowing in so usually the money is what keeps you very motivated to get through it when it's wider open if they come to you and they say like do whatever you want that's a lot harder uh, and then yeah i will sometimes um uh, revisit some of the old movies or uh, you know listen to the music while i'm drawing or doodling or try to get mm-hmm. back to what made me love disney and drawing in the first place um and also yeah. just looking at other artists work when i see other artists and, and it's just amazing work that's motivating. Like I'm, I'm inspired to do better. Cause you see that you're like, Oh, it makes you almost mad. You know, you're like, that's so good. Yeah. Um, and so it forces you to try to either do something different or to push like what you've done. So you're not just repeating yourself over and over, but it can be hard. I think that's the hardest challenge, especially as a freelancer um, is staying mm-hmm. inspired and motivated and um, loving what you do. Because when your hobby becomes your job, it's a weird, it's a weird yeah. mix. I mean, it's funny for me to like, okay, now I have to stop drawing professionally and just draw for myself so that I keep it fun yeah. and, um, you know, remember why I did this in the first place. When you're doing all this work, Disney, do you ever find yourself or how do you sort of let, you know, Disney illustrations or maybe other Disney artists, do they sort of, do you find your work being influenced by them or do you find sort of... Um, your personal art style sort of growing out of the projects that you've done? That's a good question. I think, you know, ultimately it's everything. I think, um, you know, you can't help but be inspired by other artists. You certainly don't want to copy other artists, but, you know, if if Mm -hmm. someone is, um, I don't know, whether it's through storytelling, maybe someone's doing a really good job of storytelling or it's a, a, a different approach to color or something like that. Sometimes it makes you like rethink what you're doing. I think like, oh, that's interesting. I can, I can play with the color a little online. Um, but you definitely try not to, you know, you don't want to copy or you don't want to look like, you know, so maybe you do that for your own thing, just to like go through the process and, and yeah. sort of copy and see like, oh, okay, I understand what they're doing here. Um, but as far as for the final thing, unless, and this does happen, clients come to you and they say, we want something like this, which, which happens more than it probably should. You know, you try to, you want to come up with your own thing. Otherwise you don't feel good about it in the end. So yeah, I think um, just being out in the world, like, Uh, and taking everything in like you can see a good television show and that inspires you to like do better Mm. or like try harder it can get very like i'm I'm just going to do this because i only have like you know three hours to get this done so i'm not going to 
you know, play with it too much. So when you do have the luxury of sort of experimenting and trying something new, then yeah, I think it ends up coming from absolutely, absolutely everywhere. Like I, I get very fascinated by, which is why I like, I listen to a lot of podcasts too, is um, hearing people at the top of their game, whenever someone's doing something mm-hmm. really well, it's not just art, but just anything, uh, hearing their story, hearing their process. I find that completely inspiring and it makes me want to sort of work that into my own process not necessarily anything visual but just like how are you moving forward yeah Yeah. not staying not being stagnant do you have any favorite disney artists past present uh mary blair is one of the my favorite i think that's a pretty easy answer and you know a lot of people do there's a lot of animators i think that um we don't always know who did what uh but so for me it's mostly the the tends to be a lot of the background painters or the conceptual artists that I really like. Um, And most of the time, especially nowadays, a lot of that doesn't translate to the, to the final film. We just get to see it in these books. Uh, And that's why I'm an avid book collector of all these making ofs because so much of the work uh, that we don't see on screen is in those books. And it's it's absolutely great, stunning work. So a lot of that um, I'll look at those kinds of things. I don't know other than Mary Blair, because she's one of the few, I think of the Disney people that really have, stood out um, yeah. but definitely there's a bunch of other people in there too that inspired. there's so much traditional stuff mary blair did that nice dance between sort of a graphic design and illustration uh, project that was just perfect for animation and so i think from a philosophical point i, I yeah, relate to her work the most i feel like merchandise is such a powerful mm-hmm. component of yeah. disney in general especially in the parks and it's just, do you see her? I feel like I see her work everywhere. And even, you know, with you, like you can see your work everywhere. It's just, it's great. These artists sort of just mm-hmm. live on through this. Yeah, like you know. um, Kevin and Jody, uh, fantastic Disney artists. I think they're so keyed mm-hmm. into sort of that mix of nostalgia and contemporary. And they just, they're very good about keeping things sort of authentic to Disney. Um, you know, I don't think of them as going like wildly off model for something like that. They just right. really capture that so perfectly. And they seem to be very in touch with like what the fans like too about sort of vintage Disneyland and everything. I think they're one of the few like living people who are really good about capturing that magic. Yeah. What, advice would you give to someone who is wanting to be a you know Mm. illustrator or maybe they want to work on a disney project or what are some what are some things you would suggest to a a younger artist or any anyone who's thinking about becoming an artist figure out what you love to do not just drawing disney characters uh but figure out what you love to do is it just like drawing characters in general is it backgrounds is it you know um, illustrations like for a storybook or something that figure out what it is that you're passionate about that you can do all the time and don't get tired of and then be really good at that Uh, and then the the appropriate industry will find you you have to show your work everyone has to show their work and get it out there but don't try to cater too much to one company or one specific style or something like that do what you love and people will recognize that say hey why don't you come do that for us Um, I think there's a lot of people out there that are doing a lot of the same things, which is fine, but um, it's harder to stand out in that field. You know, if you're going into animation, there's some very direct routes and tracks and things you can do to try to get into the field, uh, going to a certain school. With illustration and merchandise and this kind of other stuff, like more of what I'm doing, it's a little bit harder. I think it's a lot more um, self-advertising, self-promotion, on social media and saying like, mm-hmm. look, this is what I love to do and this is how it can work 
in these given situations. Not everybody's suited for merchandise. Not everybody's suited for galley work and all that stuff. But um, if your goal is just to work for a company, it can be kind of disappointing in the end because you could just get one job with them and be like, okay, well, now what? <laughs> you know, but how do you get sort of a longevity? How do you sort of stay working for that company? I think that comes down to the quality of work that you do. And it's just, it's just difficult because I don't even think it's talent. Uh, you just have to do something interesting and kind of the right amount of original, but yet familiar. And like, you have to play with that recipe until you get it sort of just right. And then you kind of continue to fiddle with that. So um, it just yeah. takes a lot of time and practice and, I know people get sort of frustrated because it doesn't happen instantly and it looks like it happens instantly for other people. But, you know, I was, I think when I started Wonderground, I was 40. So it wasn't like I just came out of college and I was working for Disney. It took me a long time to figure out what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. So, you know, the better you know yourself and your capabilities, I think the better you're going to do ultimately long-term. And I think the best piece of advice and it ties back to what we talked about when we first came on was about putting mm -hmm. your work out there you know it was a hundred years of walt disney studios and you thought oh i yeah. want to draw something and you put it out there now bob Iger sees it you know who knows if that you know but it's like that's yeah. an example of just putting your work out there and somebody will yeah, find and it the, the tool i mean i grew up before social media but having that tool now it's yeah. just phenomenal you it's not like you're going to get your stuff in front of a recruiter. You can get your stuff in front of Bob Iger or, or someone who can give you a job or a director or whoever. Uh, so that should also dictate how you behave on social media because they can see yeah. all the bad stuff too. So uh, yeah, you want to, you want to watch it or have a professional account if you want to post a bunch of other stuff. I, I know those lines are getting blurred these days and um it might not matter in a few years. I don't know. But for me, it's like, uh, especially working for a company like Disney, they kind of want to make sure you're not doing anything too crazy outside of your Disney work. So, right. you know, I mean, you can drill down on each one of these points and then explore that and say like, okay, here's how to do these other things or suggestions. So, you know, the what the advice I give is always sort of very top level. But uh, yes, social media, yeah. you can't beat it. And don't be shy about your work. It doesn't make any sense to be shy about your work and not, show it. I don't know how people think other people are going to see it if you yeah. don't post it. Let's talk about places we can find your work. And it can be anywhere because you, you like we said Disney is just one thing. You do a lot of a lot of things. In fact, if you scroll through your Instagram, I see images of ET, which is my one of my favorite <laughs> movies. And I saw Julia Child, which I love that show on HBO Max that was recently yeah. on. So you kind of yeah, do everything, yeah. which is good. Don't just don't stick to one thing. But where are some places we could find your work? Um, we talked about right. Wonderground. So if maybe we start sure. there, can you tell us like what Wonderground is and what you have? There? So Wonderground is a Disney gallery. It's basically just like one of the stores at Disney, but they sort of focus on art. It's changed a little bit. Um, it's currently the space is being renovated. So they moved us to the, um, the old ESPN building in downtown Disney. So the shop is still there. You just kind of have to find it. Um, mm -hmm. But they carry a lot of different artists and merchandise that are slightly different than what you'd find in the normal stores. We are getting a little bit more mixed in with the other stores, but that's a good place to start if you're looking for something a little different, I think, with Disney art. Um, Disney Anna on Main Street also carries a lot of our work, mostly the prints and the uh, canvases and things like that. Um, not as much of the merchandise, but it just depends on when you, when you go there. Um, and that's usually where the Disney stuff is. It is getting sprinkled throughout the parks especially mm -hmm. in Florida. I think there's more options there off the page and 
California Adventure has a lot of our stuff. But in uh, in Florida, it's in, I think all of the parks has like one store that kind of features a lot of the stuff. So that's the best place for the Disney stuff. Uh, it's not available online, which is tough. I know that it's hard for people to get out to the parks. And if you're not, it's kind of, there is no good solution. You probably have to go to one of those shoppers. But you know what? I kind of, I kind mm. of miss that because do you remember growing up when there was a time yes. it was special to go to a Disney park because you could only yeah. get merchandise there, and it was like I have to get this. Now with like Shop Disney, sometimes I'm like, yeah. eh, it's online. It doesn't feel as like you can only get this at the park, so you got to go. And right. I know that's right. hard for people, but at the same time, I thought that made the trip so much more special because you would come home with something that you're like, I was only. So yeah, I, I agree, and I wish Disney would be better sort of making that distinction so that you can say like okay this is only yeah. you can only get this here because i think a lot of people do think well we'll just get it later or we'll get it. um but i agree i i know it upsets people that they can't get these things but i agree with you I, i'm the same way it's like it makes it special to go it gives you a reason to go to the parks too and um that's the time mm-hmm. when you when you buy these things so but i know that's not a that's not the best answer, but yes, I agree with you. It makes it, I, cause I love shopping. It's mostly what I do when I go to the parks is look at all the merchandise and stuff like that. So yeah. having stuff that's exclusive to even the individual parks would be fantastic. You also have things at Target. I did a gift card for Target. Um, some of the Disney merchandise does trickle down. It just depends. So when we do a lot of this art, like I said, we don't know where it goes or it'll go into a style yeah. book. And any vendor can grab it and say, like, I'm going to make a T-shirt out of this. So often, again, we don't know that it's there until someone shows us. Um, I've done shows with Gallery 1988, and they have some prints and stuff on there, non-Disney stuff uh, on their website. Um, yeah, and it just kind of depends. The books are kind of everywhere, I think, too. And uh, yeah. I did some puzzles that were at Barnes & Noble for a while. I don't know if they're still there. but You're mainly a Disneyland person, but you've mm-hmm. been to Disney World. Right. I'm going to assume that you're going to say... I'm lean, you're going to lean towards Disneyland versus <laughs> Disney world, but do you have a favorite attraction maybe from one from Disney world, one from Disneyland? Um, so Disneyland, uh, I love our small world. It feels like that's the definitive version of it's a small world. When I go to Disney uh, world, it's usually the other parks. Like I love Epcot. I love that you get so much uh, diverse parks there, you know, like animal kingdom so yeah. different than anything we have here. And um I don't know that there's one attraction I'd pick out. Tell us where we can find you online. I am on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I think Instagram is probably the best place to go. It's mm-hmm. just Jay Mariama. I think if you put my name in it, it should come up. My name's not the easiest thing to spell. But um, yeah, but it's that's where I post everything. And everything else just gets sort of copied and pasted over into Twitter and Facebook. But um, Instagram's the one I, I update the most often. And I'm, I'm more active on there, I think. But that's the best place to find me. Um, and from there, you can see where, if I'm going to be doing a signing or an appearance somewhere. Yeah, and I'll link it in the show notes, everything. So if you're listening, you can just click right there and go right to the Instagram and, and, and follow. Thank you, Jared, for coming on the show. Absolutely. That went by so fast. <laughs> I know as much, I will say as much as we all love the films and parks, I mentioned it before Disney is nothing without the merchandise. Yeah. So we appreciate you and your work because it brings so much joy to so many people more than you know so thank you for thank you for doing that and thank you you for coming on the show absolutely thank you i mean i love i feel very lucky to be able to do what i do whether it's you know doing this merchandise or even doing like podcasts like this and stuff and talking about it it's it's great fun i I feel very fortunate to to do what i do so thank you very much 
Thanks for listening, everyone. Follow Jared on Instagram at jmariyama to check out all the cute, inspiring works of art Jared has created and to see what's coming up. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at Disney Inside Out Podcast. And if you're on a platform where you can do so, leave us a rating and a review. Until next time, we'll see you real soon.